Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Uh, this week's episode is going to be an interlude. And anybody who doesn't know an interlude by now, that's kind of weird. But basically, we're not going to review a book. We're not going to interview an author. We're just talking about some stuff. Yeah, and let me explain why. So <laughs> for anybody who listened to the last episode, we put out a challenge to Thomas Joyce, jokingly, that he should listen to every one of our episodes. Now, there is a slight issue where you can only start at episode 85, but he, he actually did. He started listening to all the episodes with episode 85. Yeah, He's listening to one per day. And we were like, bah, let's not do anything this week. So we'll give him like one week to catch up. Because if we keep putting out episodes while he's listening to one per day, you know what I mean? It's going to be harder for him to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. But then we decided, fuck it. There's lots of stuff to talk about. So we're going to do an interlude. So here you go. This is our interlude episode. Um, we could have not done an episode this week to help Thomas Joyce out, but now we're going to double the amount of episodes we do every week just to make it harder for him yeah. to catch up. So that yeah. he's, so, yeah. Or just to give him that. a rich life of interesting book conversations. He is going to be so fucking sick of us. And it's only going to take like two or three more weeks. Oh Can you imagine God, listening seriously? to us talk for an hour every day? No. No, no, yeah. I don't even want to hear us talk for an hour every day. That's no. why we do this once a week. I have to hear all of my talking all day. And I got to tell you, sometimes I'm like, why is he talking? <laughs> <laughs> I've never once thought that about myself. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always certain that to me, I'm the most interesting person in the room. Yeah. So I, yeah, I enjoy hearing myself talk. Yeah. <laughs> but again, a week without reading a book does not mean a week without things getting done. So this past weekend, Rob had the distinct pleasure and privilege of uh, being involved, I guess, in an event. And I know we talked about it before, but I'm going to let you roll out your uh, participation in the Volumes Book Cafe event this past Saturday. Yeah, so um, I will say that I had an un unusually active weekend, um, and Saturday was part of it. Uh, Rob Roberge was releasing the paperback version of his memoir, Liar, which we reviewed. Um, it was in 2016 when it originally came out in hardback. Hardback? Is that a thing? Hardcover? Sure. Yeah. I think people knew what you meant. Uh, and, and so now it's being released. It was released, um, as a paperback and Rob with the, the help of, um, Gina Frangello organized an event, uh, for a release at Volumes Book Cafe. And it wasn't your traditional, like, a bunch of people sit down, the author reads a little bit, and then he signs books. Uh, he actually had a little bit of, uh, like, a playbill almost. Like, there was different things going on. So there was two different musical performances. Rob performed with um, a musician friend of his. And then the second uh, musical guest, or whatever musical performance, was a woman named Erin... Caffel, and she also is a writer, but she was doing, um, she did like three or four songs. Um, she did a cover and she did some originals, and she was using like this steel guitar from like the 1930s. So it was like, it's pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Then Rob did a reading, and <laughs> uh, I can't believe I didn't tell you this yet. So he read three different parts from the memoir. And mm -hmm. can you guess what one of the parts was? By him waking up to someone shoving an ice cube up his ass. Yes. <laughs> now, so. all I'll say is that if you don't listen to the review of Liar, you've never read Rob Roberge, if that isn't enough to get you to go out and pick up this book, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he did this uh, the reading of the three different parts, and then I sat down with him and we did a Q&A. So I just had some questions that I had prepared and then we took a couple questions from the audience and um, it's kind of neat just talking about you know the memoir and some of his things he struggled with and stuff like that uh, and it all went off pretty well overall it was like it was supposed to be from 7 to 9 and you know how like every reading event starts late mm -hmm. so it started at like 7.15 and mm -hmm. um that's actually pretty good for a reading. Only 15 minutes after the start yeah, time. Not like an hour late. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were wrapping up around 845, which I think was good because then there was time to like mingle and talk to people and stuff like that. Um, but 
a good event. Got to see Gina Frangello, who we were talking, and um, I think the last time I actually saw her was um, uh, coming back from AWP in Seattle, which I think was 2015. Yeah, it was 2015. Or, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, where she was on the same flight as me, just by total chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so great event. Um, there was it was a good turnout. Like you know, you go to a reading. And like seven people turn up, and then like another six or seven are the people who are there for the event, like who are either readers yep. or like the the MC or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this was like forty uh, ish people. Oh, nice! Yeah, this so is a good turnout. It was a I'm packed sorry. house. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed it. I really genuinely am. My thought was on Saturday I was going to make a decision, then I kind of made a decision, and then really what it came down to was I didn't want to drive down there by myself. <laughs> which is pretty lame, but uh, you yeah. would have hated. So it was in Wicker Park uh, in Chicago and um, Wicker Park in a Saturday afternoon, the parking, it took me 20 minutes to find a parking spot. And when I parked, I was pretty sure I was parked illegally, uh, but I didn't get a ticket. So I won. Um, so yeah, you would have hated that part of it, but yeah, Ryan, the marketing yeah. intern did pop in for part of the, part of the event. That's very cool. So, got to see him. So, but the funny thing is, he left before Rob read the thing about the ice cubes in the ass, which mm-hmm. I thought I, w- I thought it would have been perfect because back in the day, we were promising to each other that if one of us was ever ODing, we would get Ryan to shove ice cubes. That's correct. Be the ice cube shover. Yeah. So he should have been there I for mean, that. I haven't seen Ryan in years, so I've stopped using drugs that could potentially make me overdose just because who would... <laughs> who Who would... Like, if you were around... You'd be like, oh, shit, I've got to call Ryan. But then Ryan's <laughs> far away. Yeah, he's like at least an hour away. Yeah, so what good is it? So, and then, yeah, then... No, uh, no more. What is it? What, what can you overdose? Heroin. No more heroin for me. So it's probably so Ryan might have actually put you on this the straight and narrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I should get a chip. There you go. That they give people in the AA, right? And yeah. CA, like the sobriety chips. So at any rate. Yeah, jo- um, joking about sobriety went. was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Well. I don't know. Apparently, I was joking about clipping seals back in episode like eighty-seven or something, and yeah, that's the thing. Like Thomas Joyce could post anything, and we would have to believe it, right? Like I can't believe that Livius, um, you know, married a clown when he was twenty-eight, and I'd be like, "Wow, I don't remember talking about that, but it must have happened." Yeah, exactly. I don't remember it either, but shit, that's good. It's good that I got Thomas (laughs) Joyce as my historian now that can rewrite. Um, our history, however, so however he would like. So, <laughs> well, that's very cool. Robert Bears is a super cool dude. Liar was a super good book. So, um, again, now available in paperback. So, in case you have an issue where holding hardcover books becomes difficult for you, paperback release. So, you should pick one of those up. I am sure that is available everywhere fine books are. Yeah, it's by Future Tense Books is who put them out. And yeah, go online, go wherever. Get it. It's a good read. So, while you were busy preparing for that event, I don't want you to think that I wasn't doing anything. So, um, and this this is the first time Rob is hearing this, so you guys oh, are here. Well, uh-oh. you guys are hearing it a little later, but you're hearing Rob's live reaction to what I did. So, I've been thinking a lot. I watched The Dirt, and I don't remember if we talked about this on or off the podcast, but you had told me that it was worth watching and I said, all right, I'm going to watch it. And I watched like the first 15 minutes. I was like, this is terribly cheesy. I don't think I can watch this. And then I watched like another 10 minutes and I was like, all right, I'm in. So I started thinking if a rock band could have like a documentary movie made about them, why can't a podcast? <laughs> I am so excited about whatever the hell this is about to be. So what I did, Rob, in your apps, I didn't want to bother you because I knew you'd be really busy probably listening to the Rob Roberge interview, maybe kind of thumbing through and reading some of Liar and stuff, that I went ahead and I took a meeting with some executives at Netflix to pitch my idea for what started out as a movie. But then I thought, like, how do you fit 430 plus episodes into one thing? So I decided we talk about it as a series. And I had some ideas um, that I pitched. So I'm going to pitch some of these to you. So my first thing was... It's just going to be about us, right? So we would do it in a way where maybe it starts out with us doing a review. You know, it could even start with you at Volumes Book Cafe, right? And yeah. then we like kind of flash back to like when we first met and stuff. And, you know, and then we kind of go back and forth. 
So it's kind of a loose idea, but I did have some suggestions for people that could be in this Netflix series. <laughs> so first of all, um, I thought, like, who best represents me? Like, so I really looked in the mirror and I thought about myself. And I'm, I'm a little older, right? And, and I, I like to think I'm pretty wise. So I was thinking Ian McKellen. Do you know who Ian McKellen is? <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd call him Sir. I don't know him well enough to call him Buddy. So yeah, Sir, whatever, Ian McKellen. <laughs> I was thinking that he could play me, right? So kind of the older, wiser podcaster, you know, who's got like the little kind of scruffy younger guy with him that he's got to keep in line all the time. So I thought that would that would probably be pretty fair, right? I'll allow it. All right. So then I was thinking, who best represents Rob? So I really thought about like the <sighs> dynamic of this podcast, some of our interactions off the podcast. Like there's going to be like a little Slack for people who don't know what Slack is. It's basically like text messaging, like an app for collaborative <laughs> yeah. text messaging or whatever. Yeah, you know, like there'd be those parts where like on the side of the screen, it would show like our Slack conversation. So I was thinking, and I don't know how you feel about this. Are you familiar with the actor Jack Black? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't really like him that much. Well, no, it's okay if you don't like him or not. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm just thinking as a fair representation, the way I see this podcast, <laughs> I was thinking perhaps Jack Black would be what would be someone. So at any rate, I mean, we can we can work on that, right? I mean, this is just what I pitched to the to the network executives at Netflix. So yeah, how, I thought, how, well, how are they else? feeling about that? Well, they they pose some challenges, but I'll, I'll get to those later. I want to go on with the rest <laughs> of casting, right? So if we can get this this nailed down, um, I think we'd have a good a step in the right direction. So I thought, all right, really, who matters this podcast? Just me and you, right? But we would need other people to break it up a little bit. So, so some people to introduce, you know, kind of other storylines yeah. and, and whatever as a series. So I was thinking, well, Jesse, Jesse has been a super long time friend of the podcast, right? So how could we not represent Jesse Lawrence in this in this TV series? And I, I thought, again, you know, I sit back and think about what I know about Jesse and episodes he's been on. And then a lot of stuff from off the podcast, right? Because it wouldn't all be focused just on the episodes. And I was thinking, what if he's played by Bernie Sanders? <laughs> I mean, you're skewing him a little old. Well, yeah, I I know, but I was thinking like when I think Jesse, who do I think of that's a celebrity that most represents the things that Jesse represents? And I was thinking Bernie Sanders is probably a pretty good one, right? All right, sure. All right, okay. So obviously, if we have Jesse, we have to have Misty, and this this is where I really drew a blank. <laughs> I really couldn't think of who we would have um, play Misty. In, in the booked TV series. And I don't know if you have any suggestions. I know you haven't given this a lot of thought. I'm just dropping this in your lap right now. But anything? Anything come to mind? Um, uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm like, my my immediate thought is like, who is like a total diva princess type of person? I get um, like, like Nicki Minaj? Nicki Minaj. Yeah. All right. I don't know. So if, I don't know if Misty has that kind of booty on her, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. See if Nicki Minaj is available. I feel like Nicki Minaj and Bernie Sanders would definitely get along. Well, and I, I think, like I said, when you look at that that eclectic cluster of actors, <laughs> I think that 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 that's a lot like the book podcast. So, All right. um, and I didn't want to get too far in, but because some of this, you know recently we've been talking a lot about thomas joyce and then you know he could be that character who's you know maybe narrating because he's listening to all the old episodes like that would kind of okay. make sense that yeah. way right i was thinking vinnie jones wow the uh actor who used to be like a soccer player yes he's from snatch and every movie that's just like snatch but isn't snatch right <laughs> yeah that's exactly what thomas joyce is like Okay, there you go. So I'm glad that we uh, we got that all squared away. I have another meeting next week, so I have to firm some of this stuff up. Um, cameos. <laughs> so I thought about cameos. I'm just going to spitball some things at you. We can get people for cameos, right? Like Stephen King would be a good one to get, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? As himself. Josh Mallerman. 
Yeah, of course. Well, these are these are all yeah, these are authors that I'm okay. like actual authors that we would do. So Stephen King, um, Josh Mallerman would be a good one to have. Craig Clevenger, right? Easy ones. Yeah, yeah. Ed- Edgar Allan Poe. I thought we've never reviewed anything by him, but he's kind of big, right? We can somehow work something into the script for him. You know he's dead. And oh. Alan Poe, me pull line to that one. Okay. Um, how about the guy who wrote the Bible? Like that's a pretty famous author, right? Lots of people have read the Bible. Wait, who wrote the Bible? I, I'm not. I don't know. I just have a note that says the guy who wrote the Bible. Look, it is the most popular producer. book ever. Yeah. If we get a producer, they have to figure this shit out, dude. We just got to get. We just got to get a deal to do this and sell them the rights. So you want to go big the, so that they're they're interested. For sure. All right. How can you not? They're gonna be like, Bible "Oh, these guy. guys want to get the guy who wrote the Bible." So yeah, I mean, the Edgar Allan Poe I thought was really good too, but I guess I didn't realize that he wasn't around anymore. Yeah, he died like two hundred um, years ago or something. Yeah. So the only pushback I really got from them is I was explaining this to them. They said uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of challenges in what you guys have done. So we would need <laughs> conflict. We would need some. Some, yeah, exactly. Because other than that, it's just, you know, it's uh, it's uh, Jack Black and Ian McKellen sitting in front of microphones talking about <laughs> shit and laughing, right? So, as I was kind of explaining to them about the podcast, they said that they're not really sure your drinking problem is serious enough. Hmm, okay. So, if you work on that, that can be one of the challenges that we face, right? Wait, if it's on um, the TV I, show, do I actually have to get worse? Or can they just depict it differently? I mean, I want this to be kind of accurate, right. as you can notice by the casting choices that I've I've uh, I've made. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, definitely you're going to need a more of a drinking problem. I haven't faced any adversity at all. So maybe, like, I can get a bottle of laryngitis in an episode or two, and then, you know, we have to, to figure out a way to work around it, that kind of thing. Hey, maybe you can get, like, your house gets taken over by the Turks or something like that, like a Turkish... That- and that like spark that's like sparks like an age old like uh like historical suffering of your people kind of thing and i fucking love it perfect fight the turks all right (laughs) no taken um and then i I thought it would be good to have some antagonists and this is really kind of where where i've i've kind of drawn the line like there needs to be like another podcast maybe that we're very antagonistic with that obviously we would overcome and and, openly antagonistic with or just like talking shit behind their back i I mean openly antagonistic would be best but we'll take what we can get i mean i know we don't have any openly antagonistic podcasts you know but um I'm sure the shit talking behind the back's happening in lots of places. I know we do it all the time. So, um, so really, that's kind of where I'm at. I just didn't want you to think that I was just not doing anything all week. I worked really, really hard on this proposal, and uh, <laughs> we'll see, I have to, I have to bring back, I have to answer some of these questions. Um, I'm going to have to find direct. There's lots of things I still have to do before we can get a deal. But uh, just wanted to run that past you and see what you thought. I just, I'm shocked that you went all the way to L.A. this weekend and didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know me. I just up and up and traveled across the country to do this. So, you know. Well, uh, yeah. um, if they make an offer, whatever the offer is, just take it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Anything, anything at this point I'll take. Yeah. So they're like, we'll give you $800. We're like, oh, yeah. that's 800 more than we have right now. That's yes, that's absolutely. That would uh, that would double, I think, the current <laughs> uh, podcast offers. So, I mean, that's a 100% increase. I'll take it. So, so there you go, buddy. We're going to achieve international fame. It's weird because I thought to myself, how do we get more listeners? And I thought like we could do a lot of hard work and stuff like that. I was like, or we can have Netflix make a movie or tv series out of it which then inevitably would draw more people to listen to the podcast yeah i I figured i'd find an easier way to do it than like hard work and spending time on forums and trying to be on other podcasts and stuff this way we just get a get a tv series made no i i I like where you're going with this i think we should pursue Mm -hmm. this as far as we can i'm just a little pissed off because i've been super excited about like uh pitch-based things lately and here you like sneak pitch to me something and i don't have anything to pitch back and i feel a little ripped off (laughs) i um here's what i do i promise i will keep you posted as further meetings happen all right that's fair 
I didn't oh. know Netflix was in LA. Are they really in LA? I have no idea. I, I'm assuming okay. everything's in LA. Yeah, that's that's very true. So can I tell you a pitch that I did come up with lately? Because now that we're talking about this. For, this pitches? isn't for one of your dating apps, is it? No, no, it would be a TV show. So if we get the the deal for our show, then we, we're bending the ear of, of producers. So there's someone I work with. Um, there's these uh, two girls I work with uh, recently started a podcast called Hire Us Hollywood where they basically pitch TV show ideas, like absurd TV show ideas to each other. And it's just kind of a funny comedic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I, you know, I listen, I, I listen to them, I support them and everything. Um, but when you, when you listen to something like that, you naturally think of your own stuff, right? Uh, yes, um, I would imagine. I mean, I thought of a very serious pitch for a TV show, but some people might think of the more comedic ones. Well, you'll, you'll have to tell me if you think this is comedic or serious. So, Okay. Uh, a guy that I work with recently had a very, very like uh, nasty bout with uh, um, kidney stones, and you think kidney stones, oh, it hurts you pee, whatever. But like he had to have surgery and stuff, so like, and he was out of work for over a month. It was like a big deal, and so I felt really bad because like he was like always in pain when he was at work and everything. And so I was thinking like, what would be, what could, what could take care of it really fast not having the kidney, right? I guess that's okay. So this got me thinking, you know, there's that urban legend about kidney thieves. <laughs> yep. Here's the pitch. It's a TV series where there's these kidney thieves, but they're kind of like Dexter in a way. They, they, they don't want to hurt good people. They only want to hurt bad people. And so, they only steal kidneys from people who are experiencing kidney stones or other problems with their kidneys. Okay. So that <laughs> the people who are buying them on the black market then have to suffer that malady of whatever's wrong with the kidneys. But they're the, the bad people. They're the bad people. The people who had the kidney problems don't have to worry about it anymore because the kidney's gone. I don't know if this is um, a great TV pitch. Or just like a great practice. <laughs> like we should start doing that. Well, no, but I, I mean, so I think it's very clever and I think it's very funny. So I want to say that. But what if, what if you, you know, what if you got kidney stones and you decide to sell your kidney to somebody? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great yeah. idea. This, this is, yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. I will call that one a good idea. It's awesome. like a limited one season run. I don't know if that'll it would, yeah. spawn off into like seven seasons of 23 episodes each or anything. It's not going to be Game of Thrones, but I think that could be a limited series for sure. I mean, I'd take a mini series with just like, you know, the end is basically when you realize, oh, I see what's going on or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, I haven't really thought about that much. I like it. I'll see if uh, I'll see if my peeps at the at Netflix are interested in talking to you about it. Then we could be in Hollywood, like um, um, some people that we know. Oh, did you have someone particular in mind? We can't really claim like that this person's like a bosom buddy or anything, but he's always kind of been in our sphere of people. Uh, Dennis Woodmere, we mentioned before, um, was doing uh, co-directing the remake of Pet Cemetery, and that that released um, this past weekend, this uh, weekend that just passed, and. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I'm hearing like great things about it. Early reviews are really, really good, and I believe they took in a shit ton of money too. So I, I can't. I I didn't save. There isn't. There's Dennis posted on Facebook something about how it was like the second high, second highest grossing um, Stephen King adaptation or something like that. I'm guessing the It movie that recently came out was the. Yeah. Would top it. Well, I think, yeah, I think it was the highest grossing um, release for a horror movie of all time. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that. So the numbers don't sound that great. I'm looking at box office mojo. Like you're not going to be like, oh, that's a, that's a Marvel movie type number. But um, it looks like the opening weekend, the domestic gross was 26 million. And the foreign gross was like 17, a little over 17. So worldwide gross opening weekend was forty three plus million dollars. Um, I think for that type of movie, that's actually really good. And I'm not 
an expert at movies because I haven't seen any like at all right. ever. <clears throat> but I think that, um, you know, the difference between that and I know you said like Marvel level movies, like the budget for a Marvel movie yeah. is like four hundred million dollars, if right. not more. And I can't imagine that. Let's see. Is there a budget? Twenty one million. So they brought in. Oh. double their production budget on opening weekend yeah then that movie is very successful i believe is what the term is for that and it opened number two to shazam so um the number two at the box office um doubling your production budget in the opening weekend is probably pretty satisfying for sure can we not to stray away from this because i don't think that we're done talking about this but how the fuck is shazam even a movie i i can't i don't i don't i just don't i don't know I don't understand the like Shazam being a movie and then being like a number one at the box office movie. It just solidifies the fact that I don't understand how the world works anymore. And isn't, I mean, this is just, I remember even as a kid who was really into like, you know, superhero cartoons and even comic books, isn't Shazam just like a bad Superman knockoff. I feel like, yeah. And like, it's actually like a little kid or something that like turns into a grown up superhero. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> not not that exciting. So, uh, congrats! And, to, and I, I sorry, I wanted to look this up because I wasn't sure. But here's the weird thing: Shazam was originally known as Captain Marvel, <laughs> and didn't a movie just come out called Captain Marvel like yeah. a week ago? Yeah, which is a different. Ca- I, I don't know what's happening here. I, there's probably some kind of flow chart to make me understand, but some serious nerd could probably sort that out for you yeah that's just weird i'm a i'm a not serious nerd um yeah captain marvel by the way uh since i'm on box office mojo i can see the numbers for both captain marvel and shazam understanding that that movie came out before shazam is at 374 million worldwide and shazam is at 59 million so a little different You're right, though. He's the alter ego of a boy who, by speaking Shazam, which is an acronym of six immortal elders, Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury, can transform himself into a costume to dealt with the powers of superhuman. I never wanted to see a movie less than I want to see Shazam. (laughs) This sounds like a bad, like, product tie-in superhero. Like, they created a superhero to, like, help sell, uh, like, High C or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so I okay. I didn't know this. So it's actually a DC property. Yeah, and apparently there were trademark conflicts over other characters named Captain Marvel that were owned by Marvel Comics. So he mm-hmm. was Captain Marvel, and then they had to change the name, and they changed it to Shazam, which is just a terrible superhero name. Like, there's nothing cool about Shazam. I don't know. That's like how did how how did that meeting go? They're like, well, looks like Captain Marvel's off the books. We can't use it. What's the obvious next choice? Wow. Anybody? <laughs> oh, Shazam. Yeah, of course. All right, moving on. Let's go to lunch. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that, wasn't Shaquille O'Neal in a movie called Shazam where he was a genie? <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I was visiting. The other thing I did Sunday um, in my busy weekend um, was I went down to Indiana to visit um, John, my friend, John Gatwood. Um, and we were talking about, uh, the Mandela effect, um, a whole bunch. And so wasn't the Shaquille O'Neal thing or was it, no, it was Sinbad in the Kazam was the well, no, Mandela effect. Shaq was actually in Kazam. It wasn't right. Shazam, oh, but everybody okay. thought me included was positive that that dude was in a movie where he played a genie. Sinbad. Sinbad. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we were talking that's funny. We were talking about that just the other day. Yeah. Um which of course led to the X-Files episode, The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat, which is a great oh, great episode. So good. Holy shit, that's great. Yeah. I just saw that guy in something else too. Now you mentioned the guy who played the their partner in that episode. Oh, Reggie? <laughs> yeah, I just saw him. I don't remember what it was. Something in the last couple of weeks. And I was trying to think of like where did I just recently see this guy and now that you said that, that's where I recently saw him. Not someone you'd expect to see in the X-Files. You know what I mean? Like when you see him in anything. It's funny now that you know that he was in the X-Files, but you can't remember the other thing that you saw him in when you were thinking, what was the other thing I saw him in, which you couldn't remember? Yeah, welcome. Welcome to old age, my friend. You'll get there. You'll get there. (laughs) Uh, It's good times. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, big congratulations to Dennis on uh, what appears to be a very successful and well-received Stephen King adaptation. And uh, did you see Starry Eyes? Yes. His first movie? That movie, for, for a relatively low-budget movie, had some real serious appeal to it. I really liked that movie. And it's one of those that, how do I say this without like sounding negative? Like, I liked it well enough when I saw it, but it's like the more time goes by and I reflect back on it, I, I like it more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Not that it was yeah. bad at first, but it's like there's some man. There's that scene of that chick as she's like screaming in the bathroom at the audition. I think it was in the bathroom. Like it's just some really serious shit that went down in that movie that I really liked. Yeah, that was. Um, and the thing about the thing that I think kind of lingers with me about it is it has a very understandable concept and like whatever kind of metaphor allegory thing it's going for is also pretty easy to understand. And then they just go for it. Like it's not overly complicated or, or artistic or pretentious. It's just like, this is what it is guys. And it just fucking works. Okay. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, I'm just now realizing that the, um, the pet cemetery, that the meme of that mean cat in the road that I've been seeing everywhere is from that movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. There you go. Putting it together. Old age. Yep. Yep. I'm learning the internet uh, um, while we're on movies. Uh, what's your take on the, the trailer for the new Joker movie? <sighs> it looks boring, to be completely honest. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I am very, very intrigued. So I heard they were making a Joker movie, and the the last image in my head is of um, Jared Leto. Is that yeah. his name? Yep. In the Suicide Squad, and I was like, uh, and I knew he wasn't playing it, but that's like the last image I have of the Joker in a movie. And I was like, there's, I'm not really interested. But then I saw that trailer, man, and that looks like a movie that's right up my alley. Like I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't honestly know exactly what to think about it, but um, I were I, I just don't think it's going to be. It's interesting. It just looks kind of boring. It looks like a story that we've heard millions of times before, and um, hopefully they innovate and make it a story that's not just the same thing that we've seen a million times. Uh, but I just don't. Nothing about it was like, oh man, I got to see this. Well, I fully intend to discuss this further upon its release. And especially now, not to go down this road, but like, um, like now with all the like people shooting up places and stuff like that, and it's always some like angry white dude, like, do we need another movie that glorifies a guy, a white dude faces some adversity and then goes nuts and starts killing people? Like, um, I mean, I don't know if we need it. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. There's so many other. That like, being said, oddly, I didn't watch the trailer and think that. Like, I don't know. I just watched it and I was like, oh, cool. Like a different Joker origin story. Well, there's never so. been an origin story for Joker. And that was like part of the appeal of him. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And it's not Um, like, I mean, Jack Nicholson. In the original, well, whatever, the the 1986 Batman, I think it was 86, mm-hmm. 88, whatever year it was. I mean, they gave him kind of an origin story. Yeah, I not, guess. Not like a full two hour, but I mean, they gave you like, this is where he came from kind of thing. Gotham has been playing with that, um, the TV show. But this one I find, uh, this one I, I find intriguing. So, uh, and again, I could be totally wrong. I've been let down by movies I was really excited about before, but I will put this on the very short list of movies I'm excited about. Um, maybe you'll see that first and tell me how, tell me how it went before we get away from film. Did you happen to watch any of the new twilight zone? I saw both episodes of the new twilight zone. You're ahead of me then. I saw the comedian. Yes. Um, so the comedian launched, uh, the same day as, um, uh, nightmare at 30,000 feet. I was trying to remember what the name was. I was not prepared to talk about the Twilight Zone. Um, <laughs> I, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang in there a little bit and see how it goes. Um, I, I was not super impressed. Uh-uh. Um, I, I mean, I like, it, it's, it's weird. So, all right. So here's my thoughts without spoiling anything. Um, the comedian, by the way, is free on YouTube. If you're not a CBS all access subscriber, you can see that on YouTube. Um, and it's, uh, probably like 45 minutes long. I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Um, and that is the story about a comedian who has the opportunity to better his career at some expense. I think we can leave it there, right? Mm-hmm. So I liked it because it was very it 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 fit very well. The story that they were trying to tell fit very well in the Twilight Zone, if that makes sense. I was really afraid we'd see something very Black Mirror, which is fine, but Black Mirror is very tech focused. And at least I'm glad I'm sure they'll get to that at some point. But I'm really glad that they went old school. We'll call it you know old school magic. You know, for the first one, there's no scientific or technological right. explanation. It's, it's not just you know the unexplained. Went... Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, the other one, and I'll give them credit. I was like, if they try to remake Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet again, because it debuted in season five, I think, of the Twilight Zone. So back in the late '60s. Mm-hmm. Then there was that 1990s movie Twilight Zone where they actually just remade the episode for that uh, for the movie. And I was like, we don't need a third version of this. But the third version goes in a very different direction. It's still about a guy who's on a plane, but it takes a a very interesting um, approach. That's the only similarity to Mm -hmm. the William Shatner and then whoever was in the I I can almost picture the, the actor who was in the 90s movie that played that role. But um it appears that they are doing little nods to older episodes, which I really like because I'm a really big fan of the original Twilight Zone. So, um, do you, are you familiar with Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet? Uh, I think I know the general idea, and I feel like I watched it like when I was a very young kid, but I'm not super familiar. So, to rehash, and I'm not going to spoil anything about the episode for you or anybody else, but. The original episode is William Shatner gets on a plane. He's had trauma before, and he's imagining that there's this very ape-looking monster on the wing of the plane, and nobody else can see it. But he essentially is flipping out, and he's trapped on this plane, and he's certain that there's a monster trying to, like, break the engine apart. Sabotage. To kill all of them. Yep. So we have an episode that's named very similarly. Um, You still have a man on a plane who's dealing with some issues. But it's not a monster on the wing of the plane. But at one point, there is a stuffed animal that looks very similar to the monster of the wing on the plane that just makes a brief appearance on screen. So as a very cool nod to anybody who recognizes the episode. Yeah. In the preview I saw for the one that's coming out this week, um, very similar thing. The story doesn't look to be the same, but there is definitely a a shot of a... um, Kind of an old school, you know, kind of tchotchke like device that's mm. definitely from another classic great Twilight Zone episode. Is that the replay so, one or whatever, or rewind or whatever it's right. So yeah. I think it's called replay, and the item reference in it is from an episode called The Nick of Time. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I saw the trailer yeah, for that one. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, it's the little yeah. I'm not spoiling anything. It's that little bobbing devil head that they show. Yep. Yeah. That's like it gets its so, own yeah, uh, yeah. Part. Yeah. Yep. And that's for the Nick of Time episode. If you're not familiar with it, also William Shatner, um, a couple, I think newlyweds, maybe their car breaks down in this town. They go to kill time at a diner while their car is getting fixed. And there is a uh, the old school equivalent of a magic eight ball where you like put in a nickel or whatever mm-hmm. and you ask it a question. It prints out an answer for you. But the answers are frighteningly specific. That sounds awesome. And that's that bobbing devil head is sits on top of that machine in nick of time so now i almost feel like i have to watch him just to see if i can catch the references i did not catch one in the comedian um here's what i'll say about the comedian because that's the only thing i watched um and and not being a devotee to the the original twilight zone like you are um i liked that the general narrative structure um and i guess um kind of moral that you get out of the story or whatever seems to be in the, in the tradition of like classic twilight zone. Right. Is that fair? Yes. yes. And 
um, without spoiling anything, you saw the the wall in like that kind of final shot, like who was mm-hmm. it, who was in the painting or whatever. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought that was like one of those little like chilling stingers at the end. That yeah. was that was well executed. So, uh, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And the, the only like really honestly for me, it was more of a the only problem I had with it was the laughter didn't match up with what was happening. If that makes sense. I agree wholeheartedly. And that took me I, out I, of it a little bit. I think the episode suffered from being a little too long. Like it was a little repetitive and you're right. The laughter did not, did not match up. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I, again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I think there might be a reason for that. You know what it, I mean? Like like it I think was the intentional... laughter intentionally. Yeah. Was not. Yeah. Like there's, and that actually that honestly would make it creepier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll discuss it more um, as it progresses. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about um, about the narration, like the trying to do exactly the Rod Serling narration. Oh, the I, I, sorry, I forget his stuff. name. His name, the the director. He's the executive producer for this. What's his uh, name? The Jordan guy who did Peele? us. Or, yeah, yes, yeah, Jordan Peele. He us right? Is that his new movie? Us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he was trying too hard to Rod Serling and nobody should try to Rod Serling. If that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but overall, okay. I mean, I recommend it. Like I said, it's free on YouTube. So if you don't want to subscribe to CBS all access just to see that, um, you know, check out comedian and then you can make a decision from there. Yeah. I want to see the other ones, but I don't know if I want to pay for, is it like a paid thing or something? I'm guessing it it is um there's probably a free trial i mean if you want to wait until you want to wait until there's a few of them on or whatever (laughs) um here i'll find out what the free trial currently is yeah uh one week free with limited commercials and that's 5.99 a month or commercial free you can get one week free and that's 9.99 a month so yeah that's that's easy so so just wait like three months and pay 10 bucks and you can watch all of them yeah we'll see how bored i get Yep. Anything else happening? I know we didn't we didn't mean to stray over into like a bunch of movies and TV shows and shit, but what else do we have going on? All right. How do you feel about priests? Um, I mean, you know, I, I think that you know they they a lot of them get a bad rap for the the actions of some. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any priests. How do you feel about I mean, Poland? I can, um, I don't know a lot about Poland. Um, but it's an Eastern Bloc country, so I mean, I definitely feel more of a kinship to Poland than I would to say, I don't know, like, I don't know, Korea. And how do you feel about Harry Potter? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I think we kind of. I don't really feel about anything about Harry Potter. All right, I'll just get down to. So uh, yeah. the thing I want to talk about is, um, Catholic priest burns Harry Potter books in Poland. And oh wait, here I like this. I got two articles up. I'm going to read the better one. Hmm? Polish priest leads Harry Potter book burning. Apologizes if anyone took it the wrong way. Ah man. Ah, all right, I have some immediate questions. How did how did he mean people to take it? So what, what's this book burning about? All right. Uh, so Catholic priests in Poland burn books they say are sacrilegious. This weekend, including tomes from British author J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series of books. We obey the word, Priest said in a Facebook post showing photographs of the public book burning and quoting biblical passages from the book of Deuteronomy in, in the Old Testament. So basically, it wasn't just Harry Potter. <laughs> so, okay, so they burned books because they were sacrilege, right? Okay. Yeah. How did he, he said people took it the wrong way? So how, okay. how did people mistake his intention? Like, so I, my general understanding of why people would be taking this the wrong way is like, just the idea of burning books is bad, like burning literature. Um, and someone, uh, this is a comment from Facebook. So forgive me if it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, uh, I'd like to believe this is a joke. Seriously, are people f- burning fantasy literature in the 21st century in some kind of sick ritual? So 
people who enjoy that, I guess it comes down to like, there are most rational people in the world will understand that like Harry Potter isn't like the devil. And, um, the books actually have a lot of good, um, like lessons on friendship and, you know, family and strength and all that kind of stuff. And so like burning them is like an assault on the good aspects of the book. Yeah. I, so my, yeah, my disconnect is like, I heard it and I didn't misunderstand it. Some asshole burned some books. That's literally like my understanding of it. And then after you told me what happened, it sounds like I'm spot on. I don't know what there was to misunderstand. No, I got it. I got exactly what you were doing. Here, here's a little bit more. You're going to love this. Mm. Priests are seen saying prayers over the fire pit where other items. This is where it gets good. Including a book from the Twilight vampire themed fantasy romance series uh, is burning. As well as a Hello Kitty umbrella and a Hindu religious figurine. Oh. You know, I, without getting into a huge, like, societal, political debate, here's where I stand on this. I don't think we should burn any books. I don't think we should censor anybody's ideas or their writings or their speeches or, or, or whatever. I think that everybody's entitled to an opinion, even if it's one that I'm not a fan of. Um, but, man, you want to talk about, like, low-hanging fruit, like Harry Potter and Twilight books. Like, you know, <laughs> if... Look, and this is going to sound wildly unpopular, right? So, but I'm going to say it and not that I'm a fan or anything, but if you said they were burning like copies of like Mein Kampf, I'd be like, yeah, that's still really fucking shitty. Like, that's just not something I think anybody should do. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a religious text or if it's whatever, like someone's idea should be able and allowed to exist out in the world. And if that's JK Rowling's or if it's whatever, I'm sorry, you said a Hindu statue, I think, right. Or yeah. whatever, some type. Yeah. Any of that, regardless of my beliefs in Hinduism or Harry Potter or vampire, well, vampires are real, but you get what I'm saying. Like the, you know, yeah. like I just don't. And, and to see someone quite frankly, from the, you know, as part of the modern Catholic church doing that is, is, I mean, it's surprising. I, I, I mean, I, I'm curious, I'm going to do some research on my own cause I don't want to drag this on the podcast, but I really want to know like what the Vatican stance on this is. <laughs> That's where like the, the thing that I thought was so entertaining, a, the, the most entertaining part of all this is the headline Polish priest leads Harry Potter book burning apologizes as if anybody took it the wrong way. But like what it comes down to is basically exactly what you're saying. It, it wasn't that books are bad, which is what this article absolutely makes it sound like, right? Um, it's that they, like they were burning anything basically that God doesn't like in their own narrow interpretation of what God likes. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And so <laughs> and, and so really what it comes down to is this article misinterprets or I guess the people who are outraged are misinterpreting what kind of a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> so, so he's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not just burning books. I'm burning all kinds of fucking yeah. shit that doesn't align with my beliefs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. That's, that's, it's, fuck, I hate people like that, man. Like, your beliefs are your beliefs. And you know what? You're welcome to debate them with other people or whatever. But shutting down somebody's ideas or somebody's, yeah. you know, it's it's just, it's just poor well, form. I and guess, it's the so. compounding stupidity of, of the modern day. Like that guy was stupid, but the right reaction isn't to be stupid back at him. The right, right. reaction is to um, really understand what this guy's doing. And if you have a problem with like the actual like reason he's doing it, react to that. Don't just act dumb back at him. Yeah. I mean, look, Harry Potter for my whatever lack of, you know, <laughs> feelings for it you know did the same thing that twilight did and that you know even 50 shades of gray did i, I have trouble faulting the concept mm -hmm. maybe the book itself but the concept i mean millions of people picked up a fucking book that maybe had never read a book before or hadn't read a book in years to read harry potter and twilight the two that you mentioned specifically in this book burning and then like yeah. i said you can add on a, a piece of crap like 50 shades of gray to qualify for anybody who doesn't know our long history of 50 shades of gray we read it twice <laughs> and it wasn't good but Either you know time. what people read a book and i love people reading books so yeah. even if it's a garbage book like i still defend 
its merit in that, you know, millions of, 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 let's be fair, mostly women picked up this book and read it. And maybe they went on to read something better. And maybe now they're reading An Anonymous Girl or they're reading Baby Teeth or they're reading whatever. Maybe they're reading just more of the smutty, you know, whatever garbage that, that E.L. James put out. But whatever yeah. they're reading. And that, that makes me happy. So I, I'll defend all three of those, you know, to their to their apparently burning death. According yeah. to Polish <laughs> priest. You just made me think of something that, because uh, cause you've you've put up that argument before about like, regardless of what the book is, um, like in encouraging people to read is like always a, a net positive, basically. And like, yeah. if you think about it, and we'll use Harry Potter as an example, uh, that encouraged a whole generation, multiple generations, to get enthusiastic about books and stories and reading and all that stuff. But then there's like, obviously, like, there's the commercial aspect, the movies, all the money that's been made out of that. But there's also um, somebody read those books and loved them so much that they started a podcast where, like, maybe they otherwise wouldn't have. And now they're an accomplished podcaster and they have all these followers. And because these people listen to the podcast, they're encouraged to read the books. And, like, uh, it's like a... It's an overall cultural shift that goes beyond writing and reading into like other mediums and other um, skills and disciplines and stuff like that. So, yeah, like there's Twilight fans out there who maybe they have a job in like broadcasting now or or some sort of reporting or news because Mm -hmm. they read those books and it made them want to talk about them or something. Yeah. You know what? I didn't think about that. But yeah, the inspiration that goes beyond reading, because that could also extend to somebody read Harry Potter, or read Twilight and is now working on their first novel. Yep. You know, yeah. 10 years later, now they're a young adult, you know, they're 22 years old or whatever. And they're they go, you know what? Fucking love books. I'm going to write one. Yeah. Take and that all story. got started because of. Yeah. Because of Harry Potter or Twilight or whatever. So, yeah. 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 Ah, book burning. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> 2019. How the fuck are we burning books? It, well, and that's the thing, like, I'm sure people burn books all the time if for the same weird religious reasons, and it just doesn't make the news. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, dude, if I ever, if there's ever some kind of crazy power outage, I'm coming to your house, I'm burning the wall of books for heat. <laughs> like, that'd be another okay reason to burn books, right? Heat? Like, yeah, like for absolutely. death? No? And, yeah. and the wall of books is, is, I guess, it's easy fodder for that because I haven't yeah, or won't read them. <laughs> The Wall of Books is coming along, man. Uh, You haven't seen it in a little while, but... uh, It's been a couple weeks. I would say that I'm 80% of the way finished with The Wall. Uh, Publishers, if you're listening, Rob needs to finish The Wall. So uh, send uh, send some more books his way. But then what am I going to do? Do I take them all down and start a new wall? or I think I need to start just getting rid of a lot of stuff in my apartment. Well, you know what? Like, make a coffee table out of books. Get rid of your coffee table. Have it be some type of weird configuration of books. Maybe I'll get around to my my hollowed out book craft project that I keep thinking about. There you go. Just get the biggest book. Hollow it out. Put a smaller book inside of it. Put it back in the wall. Little bookception. Now you're you're blowing my mind. Yeah. Fucking love (laughs) it. All right. Do we have anything else for this evening? Uh, just a quick note, uh, as we're recording this, it's National Library Week, so if you're a library person, get out there and support your local library. They do a lot of awesome stuff besides just uh, giving you books. I'm not sure what other awesome stuff they do. I can tell you they don't do a good job getting your passport photo application <laughs> thing done. I'm not going to get back into that. Thomas Joyce, you're about 150 episodes away from that. You'll hear all about that when you get I there. Hit the that. like 300 mark or so. Um. I do want to say, because and, and yes, I, I the the library was a um, definite um, contributor to my love of reading. Um, it really started with the, the library at my elementary school, but then became the Chicago Public Library, and in later years, even out in Lake County, basically pre digital. I spent a lot of time um, at the library. Huge fan. But more recently online, and, and I just, I, I, so I guess I don't, I, I'm probably asking if you're familiar with this because I didn't bother looking into it because it seemed like an inane conversation for me to get involved in. But there was like a big like to do on Twitter about book piracy 
libraries. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's probably like three or four weeks ago. Yep. I remember. And I people started unfriending one another and I like I would just see like the reactions to like the big things that happened, but I wasn't interested enough to look into it. So was that authors fighting about the 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 legitimacy of book pirating? So am I understanding that? I, I'm actually pretty well read on this topic and I'll do my best to represent what went down. I won't use names or anything. Um but uh a small press owner tweeted out something to the effect of piracy exists and we just have to live with it. Basically it's never going away. So we have to live with it. It's just the gist of it, right? Not saying like, Hey, I encourage everybody to pirate stuff. They're just saying like, you're not going to be able to avoid piracy if you're creating content is, is this is the, the gist of the, the, Mm -hmm. the tweet. Uh, some authors who are like, you know, full-time writers, they don't have like a day job who count on book sales to, uh, you know, make a living kind of took, took an issue with it. And I don't remember exactly what their initial response was, what was basically like, Hey, piracy takes money out of my, my wallet, like that kind of thing. And then it was just a back and forth about like, um, piracy is theft. You're stealing from the author, blah, blah, blah. And the other side was saying whatever they were saying. And it was was a big meltdown um, over what I I think comes down to a a misunderstanding. Like, I don't think anybody wants their stuff to be pirated. Mm -hmm. But one side was saying it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Um, And then there there was like a whole it got into a lot of like um, classism and poverty issues and stuff like that. Like there are some people who, cause like then the argument was like, well, go to a library if you don't want, if you can't afford the book. And then mm-hmm. people were talking about how they're not, everybody has access to libraries and, um, stuff like libraries that. Libraries are weird. Cause li- and I feel like we may have had this conversation on the podcast many years ago. I mean, libraries are the original form of piracy, right? Well, like kind one of person sharing, buys the book. Yeah. Yeah, and then loans it out to, you know, 75 people over the course of, yeah. you know, three or four years or, or whatever. So, I mean, I get it. A physical copy can be loaned out. And I'm a huge fan of libraries, so I'm definitely not, you know, talking down, you know, on the, the library system. But it's weird because that's really what it was. And then when we were kids, all right, when I was a kid, you know, you would dub a cassette, right? Like you were 12 Hell and you yeah, go over you to your buddy's house and he had the new whatever, you know, I don't know. I don't even remember it was 12. It was probably like fucking hollow notes or something. He'd, he had the cool like double deck cassette player. You yep. put a cassette in on the <laughs> other side and you could record it. So, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I <clears throat> obviously I, I agree with the original tweet. I don't know that there's a way to stop, um, piracy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big book piracy is. I remember reading an article when um, this is several years ago, and it was just I only remember this because I thought how interesting a point that it was. I think it was about the music industry, and they said, "Look, the guy who pirates your song, your your CD or whatever, wasn't going to buy it." Yeah. So that the the when you know so when you when you see for, do you remember all the before movies they would play the the, the thing, FBI like, warning. Not the FBI oh. warning, the weird one that was specifically about piracy where they'd show you like a picture on the big screen <laughs> and then they shrink it down to like be on a TV. Yeah. Like like saying how it's not the same experience and then they'd be like Hollywood loses like $50 billion a year to piracy. Yeah. And my thought was, you know, I don't know if that's accurate. Like if that didn't exist, would more people just wait and, you know, go to Redbox or whatever? You know what I mean? Like and then, yeah, you're paying, I guess you're paying a dollar or whatever to rent the movie. But it's like... I don't know how many people would pay for the content that they're pirating. Yeah. And that's, and that's where it gets weird. Cause like, and there's so many facets to the argument that I won't dive too deeply into, but like, there's that part. There's the fact that like piracy, if, if you just have, if something's available, you may just download it just cause it's there, whether not knowing whether you're ever going to actually use it or not. Um, and then there's the whole, like, digital versus physical. If you steal a physical print book, someone lost money. If you download a digital file, you didn't like, they don't lose anything in that process. 
you just copied right. it. So like, there's so many facets to it, but, uh, they, the good news is after, after a few days and a lot of real crazy digressions into talking about like white privilege and stuff like that, um, or just privilege in general, race, not necessarily race-based privilege, but just privilege in general and classism and, and just all kinds of stuff that I never expected to be a part of that conversation. Um, everybody made up like there was a public, like the original two people kind of like shook hands and said, Hey, oh, that's you good. know, we care about each other, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So it resolved itself. Um, but, and that's the thing, like, <sighs> It's so easy for two people who are basically the same person doing basically the same thing with the same goals in life to just suddenly just fucking hate each other and completely forget about the fact that like, yeah, we're basically in this together. We're doing the same thing. We have common goals and everything. And this was like a great example of how like people can just go to their, like their absolute worst almost immediately. It's, it's weird. It's yeah, it's it's disconcerting because you see it a lot, right? In in all ki- all facets. This Everything. is an interesting one though, because you're right. You took two people who are on the same path, so to speak, and they have uh, diverging opinions, and immediately mortal en- enemies. Like yeah. you know, you and I, you and I differ in opinions of a lot of things, and you know, yeah. it's somehow still managed to be friends and to do this podcast together. And you know, I mean, anybody who's ever been in person with me and Jesse in a room is like just waiting for shit to go down. And you know what? It never really does. <laughs> like that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah. like we're friends and we have differing opinions and we can talk about it. But at the end of the day, we're going to hug and still be friends. So, you know, and that's, I mean, I'm glad that's what happened ultimately in this. I, I don't know who any of the players are. It's just like you said, I'd see it on social media and it was always referencing something. And I was like, well, this is referencing something ugly, but I just couldn't be bothered to like find the origin. Yep. Of it, but I got the gist of it was piracy, and I think I think the thing that brought it up was I think someone was talking about libraries, and someone was saying, "Well, libraries are bullshit too," yeah, <laughs> you know, or something. And I was like, "Jesus!" So, um, what what my favorite outcome of this personally, my personal outcome from this was, it gave me the excuse to. So you're you're pretty familiar with current memes that are going around. Um, I like to think I am. Do you ever see the one where it's like a car on the highway? And there's an off ramp and it's like racing toward the off ramp. And like the whole mm-hmm. idea is like, yep. there's like the thing that makes sense is like going forward. And then the dumb thing is turning off on the off ramp and the car is absolutely going on the off ramp. Um, I made one of those where uh, <laughs> the car was authors and the straight path was writing books and the off ramp was arguing about shit on the internet. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, I'm just waiting to drop that one on David James Keaton because it's going to happen anytime now. Also, arguing on the internet could possibly be the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, I think when we look back, when we look back at the 20 teens, we're going to be like, people used to fight on the internet with complete fucking strangers about shit, knowing that nothing was going to change. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty fucking dumb. So. And then you see that person in in person face to face. And I think there's something about actually like having to look at someone that changes like your whole approach to life. Yeah. I mean, uh, so yes. Yeah. I think part of it has to do with like inflection. Like there are times where I want to send you a text as a response to something. And I think like, how is he going to read this? (laughs) And if we were just talking, I would say the words and you would, you would chuckle and go, "Ah, yep. yep. And if I send it to you in a text, you might be like, I'm not sure what this motherfucker is trying to say. And it could be the exact same word. So I think that a little bit of the anxiety around those things comes in that you can't read inflection into what somebody writes. And that most people, especially if you get emotional, aren't going to take the time. Like sometimes I reconstruct what I'm going to message you. Yep. So it doesn't sound like I'm an asshole because I don't mean to sound that way. But my original text, as I put it in my phone as a response, I said, oh, he could take that in a different light than I mean it. Um, But if you're getting emotional, right, if you're getting emotional, it's a Facebook thread, for God's sake, and you just got to get you got to get your idea out right now. You know, you're probably coming across different than you mean to. And then obviously that's interpreted a certain way. So then that person says, well, fuck this guy. And really a conversation face to face with inflection and eye contact and a smile or, 
you know, would come off completely different, even if you were reading the exact same words to one another. So totally moral for our listeners. Don't be an asshole on the internet. Don't, don't burn books for fuck's sake. Yeah. Build, build a wall out of them. Do something productive like Rob's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Get into like weird home architecture with them. Exactly. So, uh, at the rate we're going, if we do this for another eight years, Rob might be living in a house made of books and then you'll be famous because that'll be some viral Hell shit yeah yeah like the house yeah. of books guy i can't wait yep yeah eight more years that's what it's going to take or the publishers are going to have to step up and send us two copies of everything not just certain books yeah or i'll just have a really tiny house yeah um uh next week next week we're going to review a book what we want to do is we want to put the kibosh on our plan which was to read every bram stoker novel of the year nominee and we have one left jonathan mayberry the book is called glimpse um we have previously reviewed a jonathan mayberry book i don't remember what it was called but we liked it dead of night dead of night the best thing about thomas joyce listening to these episodes is he posts <laughs> oh rail c and i'm like what the fuck is rail c did i read that and i'm like i guess i read that and i'm like oh yeah the one with the fucking train in it yep. like that's how yeah so um, so eventually he'll mention Dead of Night and I'll be reminded yet again, like, oh, yeah, the Jonathan Mayberry book, Patient Zero Zombie Guy, basically. Right. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Essentially. The, yep, yeah. So um, that's what we're doing next week. And that will put the uh, the pin in all of the nominees for novel of the year. And then I think um, we're going to be forced to pick one. Well, not pick one, but we can each pick one that we think is the best Bram Stoker nominee. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be our next episode. Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our Patreon. Uh, our, did you see we have a new Patreon uh, supporter just today? I, I don't have, like, I don't, I don't oh, get, that's like, right. emails or anything. I don't yeah. give you access to any of that stuff. Yep. Um, we got a new Patreon supporter today, so thanks for your support, Mr. Frank Edler. Frank Edler, your support means a lot to us. And I mean that Frank's been around for a really long time and uh, a listener from, from way back. And I'd like to think a friend. So thank you, Frank. Thanks Frank. Uh, join us next episode. We're going to talk about that Mayberry book until then I am Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.